You know what I also like? What's that? I also like... Till we're all growing a beard A man's face should never be bare We just want some facial hair We're anticipating, yeah, everyone's waiting for beer Well, hey, good morning, everybody. This is Behind the Beards. And here on Behind the Beards, we pull the curtain back take a look behind the scenes and try to reveal the things that you need to know about the people who are called to lead your churches and your ministries. Absolutely. Um, as always, I am Joshua Fowler, preaching minister in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And uh, my beautifully red bearded brother on the other side of the screen, um, Aaron Partlow, man, Longview, Texas. I never, I never grow weary of saying Aaron Partlow in Texas. Oof. I know your allergies are thinking otherwise right now. Oh, man. Allergies. <laughs> I've never had allergies in my entire life until we moved here to East Texas. And I went to the doctor because I was like, am I just like in a constant cold? What is this? She said, where are you from? I said, I'm from Oregon. And then we lived in Kansas the last seven years. She's like, I think you just have the welcome to Texas package. She says, this, <laughs> it'll either get better or it'll stay the same as long as you live here. So we are doing the the guess to see what allergy medicine works the best, and it's kind of like catfish. Dice, right? It's kind of like catfish and cornbread. Like everybody's got an opinion about what the best way to have it or the best one is, and so we're just like, it's. Um, Lauren's laughing because she always always had allergies, and so hers are just like the same here. So I'm I'm impressed I'm impressed that you went with the catfish and cornbread reference right there because that's a really solid um, Texas reference. Uh-huh. Um, I'm a Texan now officially. In, I have that's license. Right. In uh, in Baton Rouge, it would be uh, potato salad and gumbo. You know, the question is: Does your potato salad go on the side of your gumbo, or does it go in the gumbo? Mm. Um, yeah. And if, I know I know it sounds weird, but it is so good. In Kansas, um, it would be your uh, cinnamon rolls and chili. I never came across that one. Cinnamon really? rolls and chili, huh? That is that is a staple. Well, we were in Kansas City, so it was more towards the Missouri side. So we kind of had a lot of that kind of holdover. Misery from, feel? Yeah. In the big city. Yeah, that big city. Kansas City. Huge uh, city life. Sorry, I'm, tr- I'm trying to even imagine cinnamon rolls and chili. Cinnamon rolls and chili. That sounds terrible. We used to we used to host the international banquet for the the international students at um, Washburn University, and right. that's what we'd serve them. We'd say, "Welcome to Kansas. We have cinnamon rolls and chili." <laughs> and if you want to mix them, go ahead. That's how we do it. Uh, you don't you don't like dip your cinnamon roll in the chili, but you oh, eat them on. together. Okay, so, so then there is that. So it's not like it's not like some weird. It's getting better mixing. for me. It's growing mm-hmm. on me. It's mm-hmm. growing on me. I can see that. Well, it is the uh, the holiday season, you know. And in the past, we've talked about um, the holiday season. That's right. We've talked about how we navigate it, you know, personally mm-hmm. with whether you, you know, stay at church or you go be with family. What is the different um, challenges that arise, you know, for, for a minister and his family when those times come. Right. Um, 
but uh you know the holidays can be like a really difficult time for just church in general uh, or just people in to, general um, well that's true with people in general but since yeah, i have ministers, a comment about that about churches, i want you so. to get through this that's okay um so we're going to talk about, you know, how we navigate the holidays as uh, church leaders in our ministries and our classes and churches and yeah. um, how we deal with the difficulty and kind of the balance that we try to find between what's what's right and what is what we're free to do and what's the most godly way of going about that. That, my friend, was a beautiful pour. I, I Sorry, can't, I'm... I'm jealous because my coffee is in my Jeep. So I am coffeeless here this morning. What's your comment about the uh I guess I holidays? was thinking, um, it's probably rushing it, but because that's me. Um, you know, there's there's a thing to do that's that's right for or I mean, okay, so getting back to what makes it difficult. I guess something that I never I had never thought of in my younger youth ministry days, Green Aaron. Um, you know, you don't you just don't have a lot of experience. You don't have a lot of experience with a lot of people and a lot of situations. And it's really easy not to like fully grasp the entire situation. I think the younger in ministry and even older ministry, like it's hard. It's really hard to do this, but to stop and to not have such like a narrow focus. And so um, something that I never thought about, like, you know, why, why would some people be like so grouchy around christmas or the holiday season or something like that right um and it could be because it reminds them of lost loved ones um mm -hmm. i never understood uh in my younger days why people would get so upset that we would honor mothers on mother's day you know uh, right. or why some people would be really angry about that and it wasn't until i had a mentor who said well because some people didn't have a great mother <laughs> some people's mothers passed away and it's a sad day because it makes them remember their their dead mom or you know some women can't have children or they've lost a child um and so it reminds them of that mm -hmm. you know and so like being aware of all those so when we we talk about this navigating the holidays as a minister um these are some of those things if you're a young young minister young into the field like these are some of the things um, not to put a like water on your flame of getting some ideas and, and doing some stuff, but sometimes you gotta like slow down and you gotta think about the broader spectrum of your congregation or your church uh, and the history of where they're coming from. Because right. whether or not, if you want any change whatsoever to happen, you have to know where they've been and you have to know why they've been there. Um, and that's a whole podcast in its own that hopefully you'll join us in season three. Uh, when we talk about some of these right, mini-series that we plan on doing in the new year, uh, maybe for uh, young ministers and things like that, things you should know as a young minister, um, and, and things like, don't make my mistakes. <laughs> That's right. Learn, learn, learn. Learn from, from uh, my mistakes. Blogs. Yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of personal things that really go into that. And, you know, like you said. And those could be good know, or bad. Right. I think that's fair to say. I think so. You know, your upbringing, your experience, your your own the things that have occurred in your own life shape the way you see mm -hmm. holidays. And so a lot of it can be personal um, hurts, personal personal things that just kind of give you a really difficult view of the holidays. Um, 
I think the other aspect, especially when it comes to church, is a lot of our holidays um, have some historical connection um, to something that is less than Christian, um, if not mm. blatantly opposed to Christianity. Um, That's they're true. They're either feasts or festivals that have been molded or shaped from something in culture, and in some cases, even some some pagan sources. And those days, those holy days that we have have been repurposed from that, particularly with, you know, the the wide wider acceptance of Christianity. Um, and so... Which is uh, not shrinking. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and so I think you have, you know, a, a difficulty there where you have, you know, some people really struggle with, is it right for me as a Christian to celebrate this day that has some of its origins in something that is cultural? And maybe even pagan, mm. and so there's just they just don't they struggle with that separation, um, and so all of this kind of comes together to create an environment that makes it um, difficult to navigate, uh, because you also have those people on the other side mm. who are gung ho about every holiday that comes around, and they do want to sing Christmas carols and they do want to see. Christmas trees and lights, and they do want to be able to at least say the word Christmas or Easter. Um, and you have some very, very polarized um, and very, very passionately polarized people Yes, that are very, very far from one another. And as a minister, you might be one of those people on one end of the spectrum or the other. Right. Um, and, and when you're dealing with so many people, uh, it really can create some potential for division yeah when it comes to that division is so easy to find in a congregation it is so easy to just get divided uh over things and so you know as a minister like i guess one of my passions about being a minister and i'm not talking about so i do this in youth ministry but this also comes about just being a hired minister at a congregation i feel like more is that a lot of times uh, my position is to be a peace uh, maker, mm -hmm. you know, and, and to be able to bring people together. You know, my job is to minister to the congregation. That's what I was hired to do and, and to help people do that so that they can be one unit and go out and bring in the lost and minister to them, you know, disciple making and things like that. And so, um, you know, being that peacemaker in kind of taking myself and, and realizing where I fall on that spectrum and then being able to, you know, um, be there for other people who are on different sides and being able to work and find something where we can come together. Uh, it's interesting. I've heard stories of this, this youth minister that I know he would tell the story of his congregation. He said on, on Sunday mornings, uh, during December, they would have, uh, what are those red flowers that you get um, at Christmas Poinsettias. Time? Poinsettias. There'd be this wonderful member who would donate and buy like 30 poinsettias, you know, 15 or 10 on each side and 10 on the stage. It was this beautiful red, um, you know, uh, room when you walked in. Uh, there'd be Christmas trees down in the children's ministry section where they were gathering presents for uh, homeless children. 
um, or, or I think children in the school who couldn't, their parents couldn't afford Christmas gifts and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so they were doing all of that. Um, and he said it would be so amazing because he would have, he would have some members come up and complain and be like, man, I just wish we would really decorate and, and get the church ready for Christmas uh, and do more Christmas stuff like in our church building. Mm -hmm. And he's like, we got poinsettias, we got Christmas trees, uh, with song leaders who will sing Christmas songs. I don't know what more they want. Uh, and he said the most amazing thing was that those members were sitting next to members who were so mad that there was a Christmas tree down in the children's ministry wing, you know, away from the entire congregation and that there were poinsettias in there. And so he's like, and he's like, it's amazing because they sat next to each other and they went to lunch together and yet they're on completely different ends. And when they walk into the church, they see it in two completely different ways. Like, ah, oh, we're not doing enough for Christmas. And ah, oh, we're doing way too much for Christmas, <laughs> you know, kind of an idea. And I feel like there's no better example of being a minister in that example where you have people who are looking at the same thing and seeing something completely different. Um, and you're sitting there going, where's the middle ground? Where where can we right. come together and focus on, you know, what's important? Um, and I agree with you. And it is so important not to just, it's so easy for us, especially with today and how social media is and the inappropriate ways that we have conversations now. You know, it used to be that you could have a conversation and you could disagree with somebody. I agree with that. Um, but the way that we are communicating to, it's not that that has just changed, right? It's not that that has just changed. Like That's not the only part of our culture that's changed where, you know, it's harder to disagree with somebody and get along. But it's also has changed in the way that we use our words to disagree with somebody. Mm -hmm. That it's almost like, you know, you know, people who say that, um, people who say that they don't realize that the way that they're using their words to disagree with somebody is more pointed and jagged and mean. And it's more about winning the conversation than it is about teaching your opinion. And so, or, or teaching your opinion or talking about your opinion. Um, and so those two things have changed. And so then it makes it even more difficult as a minister, when you're navigating through the holidays and trying to do, um, you know, what's best or what's, what's good for the church body as a whole. Um, to kind of be there. Yeah, I like that your dad here mentions, uh, Stephen mentions Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector. Right. Um, you know, you have these two yeah, diametrically <laughs> opposed um, personalities. Um, and I don't like to use the word opposed, but they are. Those, those characteristics are set in opposition of one another. Um, and, and the challenge as a church, not... I mean, certainly as ministers, but I think as Christians in general, is to figure out how do we come together, um, together. and and not just not just exist in the same place together, but how do we feed one another, and how do we feed off of one another, um, in when we come from so such very different aspects, and you know that can be such a difficult thing because especially as a minister here, here's typically what goes through my mind. Um, for the people that are on the extreme end of celebrating Christmas, I want to say, how can you be so blind to see that putting Christmas trees on the stage completely takes the focus away from what we're here for? Mm. Um, there's a time and a place for that. And how can you even think that this is the right place for it? 
And for those who are on the other end, I'm like, come on, man. We're talking about celebrating the birth of our king. Right. Maybe it's not on his birthday. In fact, I can guarantee you this is not when he was born. Right, yeah. Um, however, if the whole world is going to stop and look at a baby in a manger, why would you not want to tell them about that baby? Mm-hmm. Um, look, I know the right way. So just get off of your little soapbox over there and come and follow me. And I've been through this. I've studied this. I've read this. And just trust me. This is what you pay me for. So get on board. Mm. That's kind of the mentality that's so easy to have. And what I don't realize in that moment is I have just provided a third extreme. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In in the way I've presented it. And so there, um, and it's just, it's just difficult to get into that place of how do we come together? Even as ministers, it's easy to create a rift and to rip a piece of paper than it is to put it back together. Um, and mend it, you know, right. it's easier to break things than it is to fix things. And it's easier for us to, I mean, that's easy. That's easy. Hey, get on the train or it's going to run you over <laughs> as uh, a certain preacher says, uh, or said, used to say, I, I think he's still preaching, but what's the guy up in, up in Washington? Yeah. Get on the bus or the bus is going to roll you over. Yeah. <laughs> Bad leadership techniques. It really um, is bad leadership techniques, These but it's kind of us now, <laughs> but it's kind of the default at times that yeah. we fall into because often we are the paid guy. Yeah. Often we are the guy that's put in charge of vision. That's put in charge of direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and that lead follower, get out of the way mentality is good at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are also times where we have to stop and sit and hear what people are saying and figure out how we can make all of these roads converge into one. Um, so, so let's not just be, <clears throat> let's not just be another group of those guys who just keeps telling you all the problems, right? We're going to, we're going to try to give you some answers and some solutions. <clears throat> so we know it can be so difficult for ministers to do the right thing. And I'm doing air quotes there for y'all who are listening. Um, because sometimes there's not just a right thing. Uh, sometimes there's many right paths uh, to kind of get there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, also, super sidebar, before we go on, <laughs> with what my dad mentioned, Simon the Zealot and Matthew the Tax Collector, one of my favorite Bible series that I do with my teenagers is to go through the Twelve Apostles and to teach the teens about how outrageously different their background of, of Jewishness would have right. been. And almost compare it to, like, different denominations today well, without fully doing it and being like, it would have been like if Jesus would have pulled, like, an evangelical and a Church of Christer, you know, um, you know, and put them in the same room and been like, get along. And they're like, you know, yeah. you know, and, and it's, it's, it's intriguing and it's interesting and it's interesting that how Jesus called people from different backgrounds um, and really forced them to really work together with the, with the truth, uh, kind of an idea. Okay, and use and uh, use them all in such unique and and, and use perfect them all ways. in such unique yeah. ways, and and things that fit their spiritual gifts and where they were on their path. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anyway, it's a cool mini series. If you've never done it, do some research, do some homework, and sit down and do it with your teenagers. I think it's really important because 
a lot of times we'll go through these stories in the Bible and it'll just be like, you know, hey, they're all the same. They're all the same. But they were so dramatically different. There's so much diversity in the New Testament that a lot of times that we forget to stop and to look at and read into because, you know, it's different when it's when we're reading it opposed to when we're doing that history and research about it. And if you really want to get deep, uh, follow their uh, paths after um, mm-hmm. the ascension, mm-hmm. after Pentecost. Um, really, really powerful. Really powerful. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, that's 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 good stuff right there. That's good stuff. Okay, so how can it be for uh, difficult for ministers to do the right thing? How do we find that path? Okay, so now you're at this church. Uh, it's it's you know it's the week before Christmas. You're supposed to be with your family at Thanksgiving celebrating, you know, hey, you took the week off, but you're preaching on Sunday, so it's not really taking the week <laughs> off. Um, I always find that really funny. Um, uh, just the other day I was asked, you know, hey, well, you have the whole week of Christmas off. And I was like, but I'm preaching on the 26th. Yeah, but you have the whole week off. But I'm preaching on the 26th. <laughs> that means yeah. that I don't have the week off because I'm working on that sermon and polishing it and making sure that it'll be, I'm working that week. Um, right. I mean, will I be working from home? Yeah. Will I be working different hours? Yeah. But I'm working. Uh, I will be, I will be working. I also teach class on the 26th. So it's like, I've got class and I've got, you know, it's like those don't stop. You know, it's the same at Thanksgiving. You know, we were coming home and uh, I was like, well, I'm working all day Saturday because I'm, I got, I got church on Sunday. It right. doesn't just pause. And I'm not a guy like, okay, so for you young ministers out there, there'll be some time in your life where somebody who you really look up to says something um, and it deeply offends you and it causes you to want to never be that person. So one time at NCYM, Dudley Chancey gets up there and he makes some comment about how, oh, and you all are the good youth ministers, right? You've never walked into a Wednesday night class and had no idea what you were doing and opened your Bible and just taught a random lesson. You know, uh, you you know, because you guys are always prepared. And I went, oh, that's a joke. And that means that there are people who sometimes find themselves in that position or might find them. So it's like I always prepare for Bible class and I always make sure that I've read my lesson, that I've gone through it. Because I never want to be that guy who's like, I'm just winging it, you know, kind of a thing. Um, okay. That was a long tangent. I just wasted five <laughs> minutes of everyone's life. I apologize. Josh, you start talking. Tell us, how do we how do we get to finding that right thing? What's your process of finding peace and getting through there? Um, so we're, we're in this Christmas season right now, as you can tell by our Christmassy logo. And we're Christmas people. So um, obviously, I will begin Thank you with Simply um, Lauren Designs. That's right. I will begin with Mother's Day and Father's Day. Um, Because that's just logical, right? Um, And I kind of grew up in a vein that said you always, you have to preach a Mother's Day sermon on Mother's Day, and you got to preach a Father's Day sermon on Father's Day. Um, Until recently, I had, I shared, uh, had a friend of mine share some of the struggles that they had with those days, just as we mentioned before. Um, And I had another friend who always, he said, this is what we do. We share a blessing for our mothers and fathers at the beginning of each service. Um, and that blessing covers all people. It covers mothers, it covers grandmothers, it covers people who've lost 
children and people who've lost mothers and people who want to have children but can't. Um, and it just says, basically, you know, wherever you are, we want you to know that we're here for you. We see you, we hear you, and we love you. Um, and then, you know, maybe the sermon has an analogy about a mother, if, if it lends itself to that. Um, but otherwise, it's just a worship service with a sermon that's about the gospel. And we allow the spirit to kind of shape and mold our message in the way it always does. And so that is one way of kind of giving a giving a nod to the people um, in the pew who are struggling. It also gives a nod to the people in the pew who are really celebrating this day. Um, and it gives an even greater nod to the gospel of Jesus and to the working of the Holy Spirit in this worship service. And it reminds us that while all of these things are going on around us, we really are here to be inspired to be Christian people. Mm. Um, and anything that takes focus off of the gospel really doesn't have a place. And so we're going to preach the gospel. And that might go through some avenues that maybe give uh, some deference to the things that are going on in our culture. Um, but ultimately, we're here for Jesus. And that's what we're going to preach. Um and so I thought that was kind of the the launching point for me when it comes to holidays and preaching um, that I thought was not only has it been really good for me, it's also been freeing because how many sermons can you preach on mothers? <laughs> you know, like you, it's hard to to really find a sermon to preach that that speaks to all people, even, you know, the men and the children. Um and so it, it kind of gives you that freedom to just say, you know what, we can acknowledge the day and then go preach the gospel and let people do with it what they will. And so that's one of the ways that you can begin to bring this together is by acknowledging a day, acknowledging an event, acknowledging that people struggle and wrestle with it in this time, um, and then bringing your focus back around to, uh, to, to Jesus. I think that's great. Another way... Um, you know, that if you're on Mother's Father's Day, if you're trying to figure out how to do that, um, uh, one of the ways that I was pretty uh, proud to be a part of that was, was we did acknowledge our mothers and how wonderful it was. Um, but we also, uh, and this is, this is it. Like sometimes like we forget, sometimes we can get into the mindset that church is supposed to be this happy place, right? Hey, there's no sin, all of us are perfect. We're all in our beautiful ironed suits. I don't know. Do you iron a suit? I don't know. I don't wear a suit. No, you don't iron a suit. I only wear a suit when I do a <laughs> wedding. Um, anyway, uh, you know, we're, we're all we're all looking pretty. Uh, so anyway, what I'm trying to say is sometimes we'll we'll f uh, we'll forget that it's okay to acknowledge the pain. Mm -hmm. uh, and Terry Kitson, um, which I should probably tell him that I mentioned him so much in our in our podcast but um he he had this really great way of doing it and i think this is what made him or makes him such an efficient pastoral minister what was his connection with people like he has such this connection with people and he's such a great way of listening um that he was able to you know acknowledge uh, our mothers and make them feel special and remind us that mothers are special but then he would also pause and stop and be able to acknowledge, um, you know, the pain uh, that sometimes that there is a pain uh, that comes with Mother's Day. Uh, and so uh, taking time to do both 
you know, not focusing super hard. Nobody wants, you know, I want you to acknowledge that I have a cut on my arm, but I don't want you to poke the cut in my arm. You <laughs> know what right. I mean? Uh, and, and I think that's a really good analogy uh, for doing this is because I want you to acknowledge it, but I don't want you to lay on it or lean on it. But I want you to know that it hurts. Um, and so uh, acknowledging those kind of a thing, uh, those kind of things. So you get to the more difficult holidays. And I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just biased. But I, I've never I've never really found that much of a problem around Thanksgiving. Um, now, no. nowadays, it's starting to become a little bit more um, polarized. I don't know if that's the right word. Just because of um, some culture change and, you know, um, and, and some things like that. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of changes mm -hmm. uh, in the future. Um, with our younger, um, younger bodies or, or younger members of our church, um, and if it will change or if it won't change or, or what it's like. Right. Um, so that'll be interesting. But as of right now, I, I haven't, you know, doing a friend's giving, I don't seem to, to get a lot of pushback or any pushback. The biggest pushback I get is people get worried about, you know, just potlucks in general, like people just bringing food. <laughs> um, yeah. but Hey. That's the joy of potluck. That's that's the joy of going to the cheapest Chinese um, buffet. You know, tastes yeah. good, but you're gonna risk it. But Christmas is one of those where people really like to decorate. Mm -hmm. um, they like to decorate their homes. Um, Christmas you know, and Halloween. A, yeah, uh, I don't see many people trying to decorate the church for Halloween, though. No, but doing a trunk when it or comes treat, to worship, um, but yeah, 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 stuff right. like that. But that—that's what I mean. Yeah, um, I mean, like those two holidays, I feel like are the most right controversial. And Easter, even, um, and just because of the roots that come from the Easter festival. But um, mm. you know, you a lot of people want to they want to put poinsettias on the stage. Maybe some mm -hmm. people want to see a Christmas tree on the stage, um, or even in the vestibule. The nice word in the Thanks. foyer. In the foyer. Um, so, you know, that becomes more of the challenge. Um, and I think, you know, in my in my work, the middle ground has been reminding people those things are not evil and yeah. those things are not sinful, but would they be getting the most benefit right here in this place? Or could we go decorate this other room that's here in the same building and that's that's really where we have all of our fellowship activities anyway. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to have our potlucks over there. We're going to have our Christmas, because um, we do have a Christmas feast. This year it was, uh, the theme was the Grinch. Last year, or the two years ago, it was the Polar Express. Um, I remember those pictures. That's right. So we have the, you know, the kids come in, we do a service project. We watch a little movie and we have a big dinner together. I said, how about if we decorate, you know, that area of the building? to the hilt mm. um but we can leave our auditorium the place where we worship as it is mm -hmm. um, and we might have a christmas themed message we might talk about the birth a little more this time of year um but we're not going to get up in a santa claus outfit and say ho 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 merry christmas and then start the sermon you're not going to get um, your gift wrapped suit on, on the 20th. that's right no i'm not going to do that but i will wear it back there because then you have the people who really want to celebrate it and that way they can go over there and they can do it. And those people who have a little more of difficulty around it, it like you said, you're not poking that wound. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And and we're we're still allowing people to celebrate it in a way that they would like to. We can still give some deference to it in some of our our topics, and we can mm-hmm. we can mention it. We can teach people how to be Christian in a world that's looking at Christ. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and, and we can let the focus be on Jesus, and let the focus on the holiday be with the same people, just in a different context. And, and that works some, for us. Some would argue that you know they're not looking at Christ; they're looking at Santa Claus. Yeah, but they're also they're looking at a even if they're not looking at the birth of Christ for Christmas, what they are doing is they're focusing on a holiday that's centered around a Christian principle. Mm-hmm. Or or at least has been, you know, taken and, and morphed around a Christian principle. You know? The idea of denying yourself and giving a gift to somebody else. That it's about giving a gift, not necessarily receiving gifts. Like That's something that we all teach our children, whether or not they are Christian or not Christian. Everyone teaches their child that during Christmas. you know. And so the whole principle is about generosity. It's about this Christian principle. Like, oh, what what a great way to live. Don't you think that in the Christmas spirit, don't you wish people were like in the Christmas spirit all year round? Yeah. Well, hopefully Christians are in the Christian spirit all or Christmas spirit all the way all year round, you know, um, kind of an idea, you know. And so, so there's that. Uh, young ministers, young elders, new deacons, all all y'all, listen up right here. Remember these words. All are welcome to come and sit at the feet of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is really easy to want to leave people out. Uh, and say, oh, well, well, then we'll have this thing, and the people who don't agree can go over there. No. You just drop the the cleaver, and you're dividing the church. Don't do that. Your job is to find a way to bring everyone together to sit at the feet of Jesus. Right. That's our job. That's your duty. And don't allow differences and things like that to divide us and bring us there. Uh, do the opposite. Do what our ancestors in the restoration movement strived to do, which was come together and find common ground to sit at the feet of Jesus. Um, I mean, so I mean, just 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 remember that. If you can, if you can remember that, and you can write that down, and have that and look at that, that's so powerful um, as a driving force of your ministry. How can I get people? To come together, because if you can get your church to to solve their differences and to come together, that's gonna that's gonna be a part of that discipleship that we need to be doing, right? The the discipleship, so that they will go out and make disciples and to bring people. Because if they're not happy, um, and it's not about consumerism, right? And it's not about giving themselves stuff to c- consume. Uh, but it's working through those ideas uh, together and bringing them together. And so, so think about that, you know? Yeah. I think, especially um, when it comes to this holiday season. And, and I think the other thing is if you're going to take something away, mm. you have to fill that void. Definitely. Because here's the other thing I see floating around. And I've already seen it a few times this year. Um, can you be a Christian and donate to the Salvation Army bell ringers? Because their doctrine, their theology differs, you know, from ours. Are you supporting a uh, a belief that we don't agree with? Can we, and, can we also say on that note, real quick, 
there's a lot of young Christians who didn't realize that the Salvation Army was a church. Right. And embarrassingly, they only found out like three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> As I slowly raise my hand. Well, and so here's the deal. It's like, that's fine. Um, if you don't agree with with what they are teaching and they are preaching and the things that they are doing, you know, that is your prerogative and certainly your responsibility to use your money in a way that is in line with your conscience. However, if you're going to tell people that they should not go and give money to an organization that does so much for the impoverished in this time of the year, then you need to go do something for the impoverished during this time of the year. Yeah. And so if you're going to tell your people you shouldn't be doing this, you have to give them some other way to go and reach those people. Because mm-hmm. ultimately, that's what should we be doing anyway. Um, and so it's not just about giving someone a negative, but providing a positive that fills that void. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Steve says he donates to a food bank. Whatever it is, we have to find some other avenue that's going to go and accomplish that work. Um, and I think sometimes we, a lot of times I could do a better job of that. It's not just about, um, it's, Hey, we really shouldn't do that, but let's set this positive Avenue over here where we can then, so maybe we don't do it this way, but we can go and do this and we can accomplish the same task, um, just in a different way. Because a lot of times people aren't necessarily looking for that one thing. And specifically, it's just the most convenient way to do something that they think is right. And if you can give them a, a, a better way, then that's kind of the way to go. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so what's that magic pill that brings it all together? I don't know. I think we'd probably say different things. Uh, for me, it's always peacemaking and finding the common ground and remembering what's important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's, what's truly important um and uh and it's hard to for everyone to see eye to eye on what's truly uh important a lot of times i think so and and i want to distinguish between peacemaking and peacekeeping absolutely you know appreciate uh, the whole sermon on it yeah and we find ourselves so frequently in a peacekeeping where we are um managing conflicts and we're holding people apart right that's right. Um, That's peacekeeping. peacekeeping is the guy holding his arms out, um, just holding people back from fighting each other. Right. Right. Um, and so continue. Yeah. And peacemaking draws people into harmony and says, look, we're not about keeping you apart. We're about how do we come together and how do we how do we walk this road side by side, shoulder to shoulder, mm-hmm. um, not at arm's length. That's right. Um, and so I, I think you're right on. It is about peacemaking. I'm about finding that road that all people can walk down and not only can they walk down that they can walk down it and be fulfilled um, and uh, completely wholeheartedly engaged in what's going on. And I think because it's super, go ahead. It's not about me and it's not about you. It's all about Jesus. Go ahead. It's super. Amen. What? Well, I was going to say, I think it's super, I think it's super easy as a pastor and I use that word to cover ministers and elders and deacons and anybody mm-hmm. who is pastoring and being part of the church. I think it's really easy to fall into a lifestyle of peacekeeping um, because it's a lot easier to peacekeep 
at a church and be a leader and be the peacekeeper. Mm-hmm. It's a lot harder to be the peacemaker at a church because when you're the peacemaker, that means that you're identifying and talking about these issues and these problems and you're having them sit down at the table and talk through them and solve. And, you know, um, uh, what was it? Was There's like a quote about like the best worship service and it's talking about like singing new songs and old songs is like the best worship service is where everybody can leave disappointed the same, the same amount of disappointment or whatever. Um, because nobody's happy. Um, and so, um, you know, it's easy for us to fall into that, um, into that pattern of, of peacekeeping. Uh, and it takes a lot more work to be the peace uh, maker and to bring people together and to sit down at the table and to do exactly what you said like okay so maybe we don't we don't put any decorations uh, in the worship area but maybe we put them in the in the foyer in the lobby and the whatever so when people walk in they and where people are standing and having fellowship we have some stuff but you know even though we preach and we say that the church is not you know is, is not the building it's it's the people you know hey that worship space sometimes can be a sanctuary for some, you know, and, and having that realization and trying to find, you know, trying to find that common ground because the whole goal is to get people uh, to come together in the name of Jesus. So. Well, and well, it might, it, I don't, you know, I don't think the auditorium is the church, um, but um, it is important and the space is important, particularly in those moments when we are using it for important things. Yeah. Um. And it's not the space that's important, but it's what transpires in those moments where we are gathered there. Um, I can get behind that. And, uh, you know, if we are violating someone's ability to worship. Mm. Um, Causing know, just... your brother to stumble. <laughs> Sounds scriptural. It does. It does a little bit. Um, but I think I think that's really, I mean, for me. the Bible on this podcast. So sorry. I think I think that's kind of the the moment for me though is um, yeah. it's a challenging road to walk uh, to be peacemakers not just peacekeepers um, and so in those moments where you maybe you find yourself um, struggling a little bit with mm-hmm. how we are or aren't celebrating certain items um, instead of just assuming um, have a conversation with those people who are making those decisions mm. and say hey. Um, did any thought go behind this? And if so, tell me where you're coming from. Because um, the truth is, most of the time, it's pretty well thought out. I Sometimes wouldn't say it that way. <laughs> I would be upset if somebody said, was there any thought to it? Well, I didn't say well, it like that. <laughs> no, but that's how I heard it. <laughs> that's how you heard it. Um, Which is how somebody would hear it if they planned an event and you said, was there any thought put into this? Yeah, I put lots of thought into this. So that's why you have the follow-up question. Maybe I'm just defensive. Um, <laughs> and if if there was, you know, tell me what's going Oops. through your mind. Because mm. you know as well as I do, sometimes we really haven't thought about it. We've just done it because it's habitual. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that's why I asked that question that way. It's because there are a lot of things we do just simply out of habit. Mm-hmm. And we do it this way this year because it's what we did last year. And we did mm. it that way last year because we did it the year before. That's a very common thread. And yeah. some churches are stuck in this pattern of, well, we can't change it because we've done it this way for the last 20 years. And it's like, no, it needs to change. Yeah. And it so I think the question of, of have you thought about this, 
Um, is this an intentional move on your part? And if so, um, tell me, tell me your thoughts that they're going through this. Yeah. Um, and then for those ministers to really hear what's being said, because yeah. there may be something in that conversation that you need to hear that helps you engage even better the next time around. So mm-hmm. that's it for me. That's awesome. Hey, we want to thank you all for being here today. We also want to remind you of Galatians 6, 9. Don't grow weary in doing good. And this is part of the job, part of the being a pastor, part of being a member of a congregation even, or even just being a member of Jesus Christ uh, following and being a Christian is to not grow weary in doing good. And especially during these times, um, don't allow negativity or allow Satan to really come in and to wreck um, this beautiful moment where we can all focus on some Christian principles uh, and the world is trying to be a healthier and good, gooder place than it's been, right? Because this world is messy and this life is messy. So allow Christ to use you to do something different, something good in his name. I'm Aaron and this is Josh and we will see you next week on Behind the Beards. Till we're all growing a beard man's face should never be bare We just want some facial hair We're anticipating, yeah, everyone's waiting for beer That's a good